Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while you open your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 21, I'm going to put 20 minutes on the timer. We are in the part of the book of the Exodus where Moses is giving the people God's laws for how they are to live as a nation. Do you know, it's interesting to me that when you get down to it, so many of the challenges of being together as a community aren't about the big doctrinal questions about you know, the, 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 the large ideas of the Trinity or the cosmos or, you know, I mean, we studied Genesis a couple years ago on Sunday mornings at Faith on Hill. And, and I think generally speaking, our church has come to the place where a lot of us believe that God created the earth in a literal six days. But some of us believe that God used evolutionary processes and some of us believe that those six days might represent longer periods of time and some of us just aren't sure. And we're all okay with that. That's not the things that divide. Often it's just little things, you know. Uh, somebody did something I didn't like, you know. And these, these sort of things, how do we live together as a people? So we're in this section where, where God is giving people rules for how do you live together. Some of them you're going to find are very practical things. Hey, you, you guys got to find a way to, to, to be good to each other, to be kind to each other, to be fair to each other. So often we have these quarrels amongst neighbors, family members, even churches. And it's because we're not seeking the good of other people. Now, we left off last week in verse 27. We'll pick up in verse 28. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death, but the meat must not be eaten. But the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. Now, you could see that, right? In an ancient village, somebody has a bull, it gets loose, and it, and it sticks somebody with its horns, and that person dies. And, and so somebody says, you know, hey, that was your bull. You, you have to make this right. That was, my, that was my father it killed. I want you to pay a penalty for that. Well, it's not his fault. The bull got free. So God's just putting some, some uh, protections there. Verse 29, though. If, however, the bull has a habit of goring, and the owner has been warned but has not kept it pent up, and it kills a man or woman, the bull is to be stoned to death, and its owner is also to be put to death. So what, what God's saying is, hey, you know what? Bad things happen in this world. Accidents happen. Tragedies happen. You know, um, th these things just, they're, they're tragedies for a reason. And we can't be just looking to blame people for, for the tragedies that happen in this life. Yet at the same time, if the cause of the tragedy is gross negligence, then yes, there should be justice. Verse 30, however, if payment is demanded, the owner may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. So even then you might say, oh, that's harsh, but, but God is giving a way out. 
God's saying, you know what, this, this is a serious thing. If somebody dies because of your continued negligence, and we don't understand this in our, in our modern context, but the idea of somebody rejecting the warnings of their village or their tribe or their family is a pretty big deal for that ancient culture. But even then, God's saying, that's how serious it is, but even in his justice, he's showing mercy. Here, here's the way they can get out of this. And there still will be justice and recompense. Verse 31, this law also applies if the bull gores a son or a daughter. And that's just, some of this is just legal ease, right? Well, you just said man, man or a woman, but what happens if the bull gores a child? Well, I'm not responsible then. No, no, you're still responsible. Verse 32, if a, a bull gores a male or a female slave, the owner must pay, pay 30 seconds of silver to the master of the slave and the bull is to be stoned to death. Again, I've, I think I've said this three episodes in a row now. There is nothing in the Bible that I have a harder time with than how the Bible deals with slavery. And so I think I've talked about it enough that I'm not going to talk about it on this episode. <laughs> so let's, let's move on. Verse 33, if anyone uncovers a pit or digs one or, and falls into it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the one who opened the pit must pay the owner for the loss and take the dead animal in exchange. So, this is basically, you know, somebody's trying to dig a new well. They don't, hey, you know, I put out um, rat traps recently. We have rats behind our house in the bushes. Um, they appeared back in like September, August, something like that. One of our neighbors told us it's apparently a few houses down has put up a chicken coop or something. Um, but for whatever reason, rats reappeared in August and September. We had gotten rid of them three years ago when we moved in, didn't see them, now they're back. So I put rat traps up. Do you know what the kind and courteous thing to do is? It's to tell my kids, this is where I put the rat traps up. And and to put them in places where I think I'm going to get the rats, but I'm not going to put my, my kids' feet or my dog's feet in danger, right? What God is saying with these pits, this whole thing about the pits and falling into them, is if you live in a village and then you're digging a new well or a new pit for whatever reason, and you don't tell the people in the village you did it, or you put up some kind of warning thing, and through your negligence somebody is hurt or killed, there is a consequence for that. Verse thirty. Five, if anyone's bull injures someone else's bull and it dies, the two parties must sell the live one and divide both the money and the dead animal equally. However, if it was known that the bull had a habit of goring, yet the owner did not keep it penned up, the owner must pay animal for animal and take the dead animal in exchange. So there's just a justice differentiating between an accident and something that comes from negligence. Chapter 22, verse 1. Whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four for the sheep. So there's sort of a value system here. Oxen are worth more than sheep. You steal an ox, it's a five-fold penalty. You steal a sheep, it's a four-fold penalty. Sheep are numerous, oxen less so. There's just a, a justice there. If a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. So what God's saying is, you know, somebody breaks into your house at night 
and and you get up in the middle of the night, you can't see, you're half awake, you you hit them and they die. You know, maybe maybe you hit them and they fall over or you stab them. I don't know what this is, but you 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 kill them. You're not at fault. Sunrise, and the reason he says at sunrise is that you're guilty, is I think the idea is that um you have a, just a different responsibility. It's a situational responsibility. Uh, anyone who steals must certainly make restitution, but if they have nothing, they must be sold to pay for their theft. Now you might say is again, is God uh, being okay with slavery here? Actually here, I don't think so. It, what God is saying is if you steal from somebody, you have to pay it back. So let's say that you go steal that oxen and now you owe a debt. You are caught red handed and you owe a debt of five oxen in penance, but you can't afford to pay that back. So what God is saying is that they are to be sold into economic slavery, indentured servitude to pay the debt. That the money from the sale goes to make it right and then that's their punishment. It's essentially jail. But in the system that God set up, this was not for the rest of their life. This was not for all generations. They're they're there for, what was it, six years and then they're let free on the seventh year? the year of freedom, the year of jubilee, the system that God set up meant that no one was in service or servitude forever. And there was always a reset. Even if you bought land, that year of jubilee that, that we're going to read about in a, in, a, in a bit, but you somebody buys up all the land and then every so often it all gets reset and the, the ancestral lands are returned to those families. Now, you could then again buy the land. You know, somebody could say, hey, it's the year of Jubilee. I get my land back. But you know what? I don't, I don't want to farm that land. You can keep farming or grazing your cattle or whatever on that land. Just pay me for it. But the idea was that God put things into place that kept too, too much of an economic disparity. You're always going to have rich people. You're always going to have poor people. Jesus said that the poor you will always have among you. We will always have opportunities to love and serve those in need. But God did establish a system that kept gross economic disparity from happening. One of the big challenges for Christians in 2021 is to accept that neither progressivism or conservatism, neither libertarianism nor any other political system is fully aligned with the word of God. They might have some aspect of the gospel. Uh, I appreciate the concern that so many of my progressive friends have for the less fortunate. I appreciate the concern that my libertarian friends have for individuals. I appreciate the concern that my conservative friends have for biblical morality. I appreciate all of those things. Yet none of None of their human political systems are 100% in line with the word of God. Well, my political system's more in line with their political system. I don't know if that's true. But I know this, that if you were to describe this system to some of my progressive friends, they wouldn't like it. But then if you were to describe the, the systems of year of Jubilee and, and the years of, of restoration and those things to some of my capitalist friends, they wouldn't like that either. What are you going to do? Verse five. If anyone grazes their livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray and graze in someone else's field, the offender must make restitution. 
So there's just a general sense of if you do something, you take something that's not yours, you use something that's not yours, there's a consequence. If a fire breaks out and spreads into thorn bushes so that it burns the shocks of grain or standing grain or the whole field, the one who started the fire must make restitution. Now, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Fire in that ancient time, I mean, even ancient time, up until like 100, 150 years ago. The great Chicago fire, the great Seattle fire, the great London fire, there have always been these, fire has been this tool of humanity and yet this threat to human culture. And if the fire, let's say that you're, you're, you've got an outdoor fire and then you're, you're not careful, you're not smart about it, and high winds pick up and all of a sudden you've got flames that go into the field, well, that wheat is what you live off of. And if, and if you start, essentially, if you start a wildfire, the consequences are, are huge course we've just lived through this and and what so what god's just doing is basically saying hey if you if you through your negligence start a wildfire there are consequences verse seven if anyone gives a neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house if the thief is caught uh must pay back double so so basically god's just trying to take out loopholes because humans will always find loopholes in God's law. I was a youth pastor for a long time, right? Well, this is what God says about sex outside of marriage. But what if we are only doing this? What if our clothes are on? I, I'm not kidding. I had somebody try to justify their sexual sin by saying, well, it's not, it doesn't count if it's, if it's in water. If it was in a hot tub, it doesn't count. I literally had somebody say that to me once as a youth pastor. People will try to find loopholes for God's law. So what the, this loophole is, if, if someone gives a neighbor silver goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if caught, must pay back double. So what that's saying is somebody gets caught for stealing and they say, yes, but I didn't steal from that person. It wasn't theirs. It's, I, I didn't steal from them. I can't get caught. Or somebody, you know, here, I'm going on a journey I'm going to leave these family heirlooms with you until I come back. And they come back and somebody says, oh, it's horrible. They were stolen from me. And, and it really is a scam to keep them for yourself. You know, they're stolen. And all of a sudden, then they find, your, they find their way into like their Aunt Sally's house, right? So God's just trying to shut down loopholes because human beings love to find loopholes in God's law. I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but you don't know that that neighbor... It, it, votes differently than I do. I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but you don't know that that neighbor's sin is, is different from my sin. I, I want to, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but that neighbor isn't American. They're a foreigner. So I'm not going to love them the same way. People want to find loopholes for God's law. And God's just shutting down those loopholes. Verse eight, if the thief is not found, the owner of the house must appear before the judges and they must determine whether the owner of the house has laid hands on the other person's property. In all cases of illegal possession of an ox, donkey, sheep, a garment, or any other lost property about which somebody says, this is mine, both parties are to bring their cases before the judge. The one who the judge declares guilty must pay back double to the other. One of the geniuses of the founding fathers of America is that they recognized 
the evil of humanity. It is very popular to be critical of past historical figures. And certainly, there's reason for criticism. But I can also appreciate good things, and I appreciate the genius of the Founding Fathers in recognizing the evils of people. People are sinners. And they recognized that, so they established a system with checks and balances. They established a system that recognized that people need protection. You need protection from too big of a government, so they put certain limits on the power of government. But then they also recognized that people need the government to protect the vulnerable from the oppressor. People needed the government in, in the 50s and the 60s, the federal government to come down because the local police department and the sheriffs were part of the clan that was lighting crosses on fire in the, in the yards of black people. So you needed the government to come and protect you from the local government. I mean, I would argue even right now, we have this uh, lawsuit going on between the church and Clackamas County over building use. And there's this thing called the Religious Land Use Act It's a federal law that protects churches and synagogues and mosques and other religious organizations from local governments. So I'm thankful for that. The the thing that's going on here is, is God's recognizing that people are sinners. So when he's establishing this law for his people, he's saying, hey, look, this is a real thing. Somebody gives something to somebody else hey, I'll hold this for you, and then it disappears. Then you have to go, it has to be done publicly, it has to be done before a judge, it has to be done before the courts. No vengeance, no, no private debt settling, no, no Hatfields and McCoys, family feuds. Let this be done in order, in public, with a court. Because you know what? Sometimes people steal from each other. Sometimes people lie. And you have to go and figure out the truth of the matter and establish the authority of a, of a court or a justice system. If anyone gives a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any other animal to a neighbor for safekeeping and it dies or is injured or is taken away while no one is looking, the issue between them is to be settled by taking oath before the Lord that the neighbor did not lay hands on the other person's property. The owner is to accept this. No restitution is required. But if the animal was stolen from the neighbor, restitution must be made to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, the neighbor shall bring in the remains as evidence and shall not be required to pay for the torn animal. If anyone borrows an animal from their neighbor and it's injured or died while the owner is not present, they must make restitution. But if the owner is with the animal, the borrower will not have to pay. If the animal was hired, the money paid for the hire covers the loss. You know what? We live in a broken world. And God's saying, you're going to look for loopholes to get around my laws? Don't. God's saying, people are sinners. And so we need to live in a system where we don't just say, oh, oh, that's Phil could never have done that. No, it needs to be brought before the court, and the court has to determine the matter because you can't just accept somebody's word. Oh, they would never have stolen from them. They would never have abused that person. Too often the church has done that, we have covered up when we should have investigated. And if we're going to take any principle from our reading today, it's that, that God wants to shut down loopholes and he wants to not cover up sin. He wants sin to be dealt with head on. 
want to thank you for listening to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study Podcast. New episodes are released every Thursday. Audio version on Apple, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Video version at our Facebook page. You can search Faith on Hill. All of our social media is at Faith on Hill. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill Church. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.